How's everybody doing? It's good to be back, uh, standing up here before you guys today, uh, just expecting great things uh, through this series that we're going into called The Wanderers. How many's ever done any wondering? Not W-O-W-A, wondering. It's a story in the Bible that comes from the book of Numbers. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the very front of your Bible. If you want to go there, we're going to read just two or three verses from uh, Numbers this morning. We're leading into this message series, beginning at the book of Numbers, chapter 1. So if you have that, let's all stand as we read these verses. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, From the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their clans and by their families. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to join together. Lord, we're one body of believers, and sometimes we meet in two locations. But Lord, we stand here today united to do your bidding, to do your work to go to war on your behalf, God. Lord, that we would see transformation in our community. Lord, that we could take back everywhere that our feet would trod. And God, that your will would be done in every person in this room's life. And Lord, we would do it with courage and with strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You see... There's one word that I want to lead this message with today. The word is expectations. Everybody say it with me. Expectations. We all have expectations in our life. Some people may call them goals or strategies or multiple words in the English language would uh, define what we're trying to say here today. But expectations is a word that I want us to see that as we're looking at this uh, message series about wonders that there are people in our life that has expectations. Other people have expectations for you. It may be your boss at your job that, that uh, gives you your orders and, and tells you where you need to go or what you need to do for the day or maybe for the week. Maybe he's got some expectations for you. And if you let him down or her down in that job, in that role that you're in, they hold you accountable for their expectations that they have for your life. Amen? In the same way that other people have expectations for your life, I believe that sometimes we personally place expectations on our life. And it's called our own plans, our own will, making our own path, trying to determine what we want to do and how we want it to work. But I'm here today not to explain those things about what others may expect from you or even what you may expect from yourself. Today I'm here to talk to you about expectations from God Almighty. The King of Heaven. The Ruler. The Maker of all things. And as He has expectations for you, Dusty's been leading us for the uh, past several weeks, four weeks, on a message series entitled, Our Father. 
Our Father message series was, was around the, the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus wasn't just showing us how he prayed. He taught us how we ought to pray. And I really believe if we pray, we will hear God. And when we hear God, he will give us direction. He will give us instruction for what to do. He will say, this is my strategy. This is my plan. Go this direction. So these expectations sometimes don't make any sense. Sometimes God expects things from us that just absolutely doesn't make any sense. There's seasons of my life that I can go back and look through my life, my Christian life, my, my sanctified life, my life from the point of uh, being born again in October of 1999. There's been some ups and there's been some downs and there's been some valleys and there's been some, some struggles and there's been some things that I've faced that I didn't think I would face as a Christian. But God still expects the same. And His plans don't change. Multiple places in Scripture teaches us that God does not change. That He is steadfast. That He's unmovable, unshakable. And He's always abounding in truth. So this message series really is, is around the, the, the book of Numbers, and that book of Numbers comes from, from Moses, the, the patriarch, the one that we read about all throughout the beginning chapters and, and, and the books of our Bibles. We look and read, really the first five books were written by Moses. Moses was this man that began the chronological order of saying that there is Scripture, that there is words from God that should impact our life. He wrote down the first five books that you have in your Bible today. It's still existing. It's thousands of years later and it's still here word for word of God saying, here's the expectations. Here's the plan. And it's a plan of success. God isn't going to let his plan fail. The Bible declares that his word won't return void. That it will accomplish the thing that it's set out to do. And if Moses wrote these words down and said that God told Moses to, to write down the, the leaders of the armies, of the clans, and of the families, then there was a purpose for that. There was an intention in that. And I believe today that God is talking to us about what is He expecting for our clans, what is He expecting for our families, what's He expecting for our church. Amen? Amen? So as we look at this, I want us to see that God was speaking to Moses, but if he spoke to Moses, he will speak to us. He will speak directly into your heart, and it will penetrate at a level such as you've never known before. If you don't know God, I'm asking you today, you need to learn his voice. When he beckons you, when he begins to call you and woo you into his kingdom and ask you to be born again and submit your will to his, today may be that day for you. I felt that for months back in 1999. I was running from God. I was trying to do everything I could to stay away from it. I got sick of my mom beating me over the head with it. I didn't want to hear it anymore. It wasn't my mother's voice that won me to God. It was God's wooing. It was God drawing. It was a yearning that he put on the inside of me that said, Ben Collier, there's more for your life than the plans that you have right now. I have expectations for you. Will you fall into line with what I'm saying? Those expectations that he placed on my life 
was the same expectations he placed on Moses. The same way Moses had to go and declare to an enemy that held people captive by chains, by putting them in slavery. The same voice that Moses would go and he wasn't a real good speaker. He, he, he wasn't able to communicate effectively. He wasn't the best orator, Dusty. But guess what? When God tells you to go, you need to go. Whether you think you can or not, God is with you and that's enough. His expectations. Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But God, I'm a murderer. I've killed somebody, God. I'm supposed to be in prison. Pharaoh will have me killed for what I've done. And you're wanting me to go talk to him? God, this doesn't make any sense. How many of us Whenever we hear the beckoning voice of God that gives us expectations, begin to tell God why we can't. How many in the room? I think it's everybody here. We go to declaring, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've, I've been bad this way, and, 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 you know, there's all these faults that I have in my life. And he says, I'm not looking at your faults. I'm looking at my expectations. It's a perspective thing. You, you may not be able to see what I'm going to accomplish in your life, but if you'll just give up your will, if you'll just step back and say, God, I don't have this figured out. My life's a mess. I have failed miserably. And at this point, I don't understand how you're calling me, God, or why you're calling me. There's a lot more people that can do a lot better job than Ben Collier at pastoring a church. There's a lot more people that can declare and orate a lot better than me. But if God called me, God has called me, and I will do what he expects me to do. How many of us sitting in this room, when God beckons, do we declare, I can't, when all he's saying is you can? There's expectations for your life. Not everybody's the same. He doesn't have the same game plan for everybody in the room today. We all don't have to look alike. We don't have to fix our hair alike. We don't have to wear the same clothing. We don't have to talk the same. We don't have to have the same degrees. We don't have to go to the same colleges. We don't have to go to the same schools. God is bigger than our little environment that we're accustomed to. Amen. So as I looked at this, and I thought about, you know, as Moses, and I'm trying to picture and just, I want to spell out today just to lead us along this journey because uh, the book of Numbers is a long book. And we're going to cover in eight weeks a lot of things, Ernie, and there's going to be a lot of topics that we're going to discuss during this, this uh, series called Wanderers. Because the people of God didn't listen to God. They complained, they murmured, they, they had all these difficulties in their life and, and they wanted it to go their way rather than God's way. So we're going to talk about these things for the next seven weeks. And it's not all browbeating, and it's not all telling us how wrong we are. I'm here today to declare to you, if you submit your will to God and declare His Son to be King of your life, the Lord of your life, and you expect salvation from Him, then salvation is what you will receive. Amen? Amen? He's faithful and He's just. If we, commit our sin, if we admit our faults and our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins is what the Bible declares. I believe the Word of God to be the truth. 
So these expectations, what are they? What would they look like? I believe wholeheartedly that the main thing God wants for your life is, is salvation. He wants to save you. It's His will to save you. He gave you your own will. You can make up your own mind and you can say, God, I'll stub my finger in your face and I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't want your plan. I don't want your plan of salvation. I don't like it talking about Jesus. I ain't going to mention him. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And you can do that. You have a will of your own. But the Bible declares in Peter that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. How awesome of a verse is that? It's not God's will that any, everybody say that, not any, would perish, but all, everybody say all, all would come to repentance. That's what God wants. His desire is, and sometimes we look at people with faults and failures and maybe they've done this or done that and, and according to our expectations, we can, we can put our, our uh, prerogative on it and try to declare what we want to declare, but what does God say about them? He's saying, I want them saved. There may be people in your family that you've gave up on that say, and you're saying, I don't, I don't know, I don't think God can ever reach them. I don't, I don't think that, that they'll ever be able to obtain that salvation. Well, guess what? not up to you to decide. Amen. The only thing you got in that is to pray. Amen? Amen? Yes. Pray for other salvation. That's what God wants us to do. So as, as this point goes with these expectations, I want us to see that salvation is gaining your birthright. We were born spiritually dead. That We were, we were carnal-minded when we was born because of the fall of Adam and Eve. The fault, the sin that they committed before God, that they, they went their own way and did their own thing, it ignited their own self-will. And that was born into every person that's ever been born on the planet, a human being. They have their own will because of what Adam did. And they gave up their birthright because of what they wanted. In the same way, it's still alive with us today. When we're born of this of the flesh with our, with our mother, that we, we come through the womb and, and we're born and we become a living being, that we take breaths of air and we're no longer attached with the umbilical cord that gives us life. It's now that we're here and we're breathing on our own and making our own way. We may be alive in body, but that doesn't mean we're alive spiritually. One person, amening out of this whole church. I said we may be born physically, but we're not a born spiritually. Until we become of an age where we understand that right is right and wrong is wrong, and I've been wrong a lot, until we declare that and say, God, I have messed this thing up that you've given me life, and I need direction, I need somebody to help me, and I know I can't help myself. I need some help from the outside because I'm stuck in this ditch, and life has got me, and it seems like I can't get away from what I want to get away from, and God, I need your help. And the moment that you begin to say, God, I need your help, that's when he's standing there saying, I was waiting for the call. I'm the wrecker. Service is coming. You're getting ready to get out of the ditch. Today's your day of salvation. It's the day you get your birthright. That's why Jesus, whenever he declared to Nicodemus, come to him. Nicodemus was a smart man. He knew scripture. He was a Pharisee. He was a wise person. But he was depending on his own will, his own ambitions. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, what's all this stuff about what you want? Everybody knows what John 3.16 is, don't you? 
90% of the world's population knows what John 3.16 is. The American population, anyway, around the world, they don't. They've never heard Scripture. John 3.16. Quote it, Greg. Amen. That was Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. I love the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world may be saved. Jesus is the salvation you're asking for. He's the record service that you need to call when you're sitting there spinning your own wheels and it seems like you can't get where you want to go. Amen? Salvation. It's the gaining of your birthright. And as you see this salvation, I want you to see that this salvation that God declares is a salvation that's different than others. There's other religions. You can go search other religions. You can go try multiple other religions around the world, and they all offer salvation. There's a lot of gods out there in this world. They're little g-gods. It's man-made. It's created. And Paul talks about them in Acts that there's little gods that offer you salvation. But it always goes back to depending on you. What are you going to do? When the God we serve, the big G God, when you're reading your Bible and you see the big G, that's the big God. That's the God of heaven. That's the God of creation that made heaven and earth that formed the foundations and he spoke and in an instance the spirit of God hovered the faces of the deep and the word of God became flesh and in and, and Jesus Christ he dwelled among us and, and, and you know here they are going and talk to him Jesus what's the answer Nicodemus Jesus what's the answer Jesus says well you've got to be born again got to be born again look at your neighbor and say you need to be born again I'm not condescending. I'm not putting you down. I'm not telling you that you, you've got a mess worse than mine. I'm just telling you that's the answer. That's the truth. So this salvation that God speaks about, and, and Jesus answers Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus, let me show you what a carnal mind, even though they may be smart according to Scripture. He had been to a theological seminary in, in our today's world. He had already got a degree for theology. He's a Pharisee. And he asked Jesus this when Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Well, how can I crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again? Everybody say, that sounds pretty carnal. Pretty carnal, right? It's hard to understand some things God talks about. Sometimes you just got to take him at his word. Sometimes I don't understand salvation. I don't know the full uh, parameters. I don't know the full extent of salvation. But all I know is, according to his scripture, he said, you've got to be born again. And if God says you need to be born again, what should we do? Be born again. That's an expectation. Amen? Expectations don't make sense. It's just the truth. So the truth is that where that these wonders, people was wandering around with Moses, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand what God was telling them to do, Ernie. They couldn't really see it. And, and if they couldn't see it, they couldn't live it. But sometimes God tells us to go when he don't show us how to go. It depends on that you taking that first step and saying, okay, today's the day I'm making that first step. And when you make the first step, every step after that gets a lot easier. Amen? 
I remember the day of my salvation when I went to Raceland Church and, and I stood there gripping the, the back of that pew and, and Pastor Wells asking if there's anybody who wants to be saved that day and, and I just couldn't let go of the pew or, or I couldn't let go. I, wasn't, I was like, I, I want to stand here. I want salvation and I can feel God draw me but I don't think I can do this. And the truth is, I couldn't. He was telling me, you can't save yourself. You have to depend on me. You have to. The first step, when I come walking back through those doors after I drove down the road, after church, come back, people are still there, and I come through the doors. And I remember walking towards Pastor Wells. I'd never seen him before in my life other than the message he spoke to me about an hour earlier. And I took her to walking towards him. Black leather coat, black boots. Looked like a hellion, a thug. He wasn't afraid. Because he'd seen many people walk down an aisle. And he knew what the walk of salvation looked like. He said, what can I help you with, son? And I said, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. And what I love about it, it wasn't a bunch of seasoned saints, Dusty, that was still in the church. They had all went home. There's a bunch of teenagers sitting on that front row deciding where they was going to go eat. And I love this part of the story that Pastor Wells didn't say, well, come up here, son, I'll, I'll, I'll kneel down to the altar with you and I'll, I'll pray with you. He looked at over to the teenagers and he said, kids, this boy wants saved. Take him up to that altar and pray with him. Teenagers. I remember walking up with, with them and I, I was like, I don't even know what to say. But my heart was getting right with God. I don't even know what, how to pray. I don't even know what to say. And I forget that one young man, he looked over at me and he said, just ask God to forgive you. That's all you need to do, just ask him to forgive you. Amen. And that's when I started praying, God, forgive me. I've messed my life up and I need a change. I got my birthright that very instant. I was as saved at that moment as I ever will be in my life. It didn't take no more. It's one thing to be saved by God. These people in Egypt had grew up in poverty. They had grew up without. They had grew up and, and, and the only expectations they had ever known was what Pharaoh told them to do. He told them how many bricks to make that day. And he told them where to get the wheat. He told them where to go get the straw. He told them where to get the clay. He, the expectations was all about somebody here on earth telling them what they wanted. Here Moses comes, let my people go. Goes through the whole process. Finally Pharaoh lets them go. The Bible says that they took out with them gold. Cattle, all their stuff. How many would like to get back what the devil stole from you? 
He's took from every person in this room. And I'm telling you, he has held expectations over your life that told you according to what men wanted from you, and that was the expectations on you, and you've worked hard all your life, and it seems like you have absolutely not achieved anything. I'm here today to tell you, the moment you get your birthright, the moment of salvation, that's the moment when all those things come flooding back, just like it did for the children of Israel. They walked out with possessions that they had worked hard for their whole life. It sickens me that our government today talks about taking away some things in a, from our senior citizens and they talk about how to do away. They want to do away with Medicare. They want to do away with Medicaid. They're looking at ways to destroy Social Security. And there's some of these things that our, our generations before us, if you'll go back and truly study history, don't listen to what the news channels tell you today. Go back, study for yourself, find the truth, and see if it's not a better society today that we live in than what the people did in the early 20s. They worked for peanuts. They didn't get anything. And until they stood up and said, we deserve a right and we should be able to form our own way of government and we should be able to uh, put back money through the government and help us to do Social Security. Because how many of you is a saver? Anybody in here a very good saver? How many has got a, a bank full of money, just more than you can use? Anybody? I, I, not a whole lot of people raising their hands. What's the deal? You know what? You're no different than people in the 20s. They couldn't save either. And they said, somebody, we're going to have to put this into a fund, and it's going to have to protect, be protected so that we can't get it out. I'm glad you can't borrow against your Social Security because everybody in this room would borrow against their Social Security. That's the way we are. We're human beings. We're, we're not. And Ernie, how do you like your retirement, brother? Yeah, pretty fun, right? Call Ernie any day of the week. Hey, Ernie, what are you doing today? Whatever I want. Living the dream. Sitting on the couch. If he wants to go out and mow the grass, he will. <laughs> That's pretty good expectations, right? Do whatever you want. That's a good. Retirement life is good. But that's expectations that people put on us. And God wants you to get what's coming to you. Maybe I need to say that again. God wants you to get what's coming to you. He wants you to receive the blessings for the hard work that you've done in life. Salvation. That's the expectation. There's other words to declare to you today. Sanctification. God saves you. Amen? Amen. God's the one that does the saving. You didn't save yourself. You didn't ask yourself for forgiveness. You ask him for forgiveness. He saves you. Sanctification, another step in that process. When you sanctify yourself, it means to give up things, to give away rights. How many likes giving up rights? Nobody wants to give up no right. That's what sanctification is. You've got a right to sin all you want. You can do whatever you want. Even after salvation. There should be an amen right there. Because some people believe you can't sin after you're saved. I think they're full of hogwash. Amen? Because if you've been saved very long at all, I'm sure that you've come across the point where you knew I did wrong. I messed up. Sanctification is the process 
of the journey in life. Amen. The process of journey in life, of becoming more sanctified, of proving to God, I really want this. I'm going to lay down my rights, God. I, I know I can sin again today just like I did yesterday, but God, I'm going to try that much harder today because I messed up. Amen. Sanctification. There's some people believe that sanctification is an extra part of grace. They'll say that I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. How many ever heard that? I used to hear testimonies all the time, all my life. I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Really? Sanctification is a lifelong process. It isn't something you receive instantly and you can't sin anymore. Amen. Amen. Come on now, somebody. Sanctification isn't something you receive where you'll never sin again the rest of your life. If you're still breathing, you've got the capability of sinning. But sanctification is where you say, I'm going to step back. I'm going to give up my right to sin. I'm going to tell the devil, take your place, devil, because I'm not walking the path you have for my life. I'm not walking out your expectations. I'm walking out God's expectations. I'm going to do what he asked me to do. And that's what sanctification is. Praise God. Yes. Certainly. Amen. I just want the truth. Because I know... That the truth will set us free. How many wants to be sanctified? Amen. I love sanctification. I love when God gets all up in my grill. When he meets me face to face and saying, look here, little sonny. Yeah, I know your pastor. Yeah, I know, I know who you are. I know the path you trod. I know what things you do. I know what happens behind the scenes. I know you better than you know yourself. And I'm here today to tell you, shape up or ship out. Come on, somebody. That's what sanctification is. It's where God gets in your face and says, it's time to shape up. It's time to move up a level. And if you want to get anywhere in God, if you want more of God, if you're desiring more of God, it's a time to lay down rights and say, God, I'm coming your way. Just like the song we sing all the time, I'm coming your way. Because when we come his way and we lay down those rights, sanctification happens. And when sanctification happens, it goes to another word. We need salvation. We need sanctification. Another I-O-N at the end of it. We need transformation. Come on, somebody. We need transformation. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans, it says. We need to be transformed who we are, where God gets involved, and he allows us to make decisions that he don't make us robots when we become salvation, when we become saved or with salvation. He makes us individuals that still has rights, but he gives us the ability to overcome those rights because his expectations is different than the devil's expectations. And if you think the devil ain't got expectations for your life, you're fooling yourself. He's got a path for your life. He's got a way that he wants to put before you that'll look like all gold and all silver and all just, it'll just be fluffy flying around on clouds and it's full of rainbows and it's just a wonderful experience what the devil will paint for you. But when you get behind the scenes of it, it's full of turmoil, strife, division, envy, bitterness, self con It's just a mess. It's conceit. We're conceited. 
That's what the enemy wants for your life. But God wants transformation. He wants you to be transformed. The same way that Optimus Prime, is that his name? Is that the little yellow car guy? Who? Well, who's Optimus Prime? He's the big guy with a deep voice that comes and talks to him. I remember playing with Transformers when I was a kid, Dusty. And the way with all toys when you're a kid, it seems like they're coming fads. Come on, somebody. Seems like a fad. I remember Skeletor. I remember He-Man. I remember playing with the little green army men just like Greg played with. Everybody has. Because some things stay, and some things are just a fad. I never dreamed that Transformers would still be around this many years into my life. In the same way for us as Christians. Sometimes we look and we get into challenge and the enemy puts in our mind, is this really real? You mean to tell me that you really believe that you're going to go to heaven? That there's really something after death? He'll question you. How long has it been? tries to challenge you. John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus speaking, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. The abundant life. And I'm telling you, yeah. when salvation happens, it's where you give up on your rights to fix yourself. When you talk about sanctification, it's where you say, God, I need your help to keep cleaning me up. I need you to meet me in the morning in my mirror and say, this is what you need to do today. And give me expectations, God, because I need your direction because I mess up. I'm still human. Amen? But when transformation happens, it's worth it. a whole new realm. A whole new dimension in what you're able to do. Because when you become transformed, it's where people around you is going to start coming up to you and say, what in the world has happened to you? Come on, somebody. You're not the person I used to know. You still got the same Social Security number. You still go by the same name. You've got the same banking account. And it seems like you should be the same, but you're not the same. Everybody say, that's transformation. That's God's expectations. He wants you to be transformed, renewed, refreshed every day of your life. We got eight weeks to cover this. I'll quit today because it's 4th of July. Everybody say, I've heard enough, Pastor Ben. I'm telling you, you're going to find out the next seven weeks a lot of things God expects. And I really believe that this message series is for us at this point in our life right now. Because there are some people at Bethesda that may feel like they're just wondering. That they're just taking little trips every day. And none of it makes any sense. And it may seem like you haven't heard from God for a long time. This message series is for you. Let's see if you can play. We need a freshness of God.
We need a newness of God. It's a continual thing. And one of the biggest parts I've got to say about this message today, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. There should be more amens than that. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. I believe, I believe, come on somebody, I believe, I believe he's the answer to my problems. I believe he has the answers to my storms. I believe he has the answers to my failures. I believe he has the answers, Dusty, to bring me through. And the Bible says that he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He is here today to finish what he has started. He is setting you on a new path. And if you've been expecting God for a while and you've been looking and saying, God, I need something fresh. I need something new. Today's your day. No longer wondering at Bethesda. We're on a mission. We're on a path. We're declaring, God, we're going to love you and we're going to love people and you're going to transform lives. We're going to see the earth shake by the glory of God. How many is ready for Lewis County and Greenham County to see the Almighty God transform lives? No longer wondering. And the biggest fault I've got with this whole thing of numbers is because I've read it. And Ernie, I see... A generation that questioned God and questioned God and doubted God and doubted everything He ever told them to do. They didn't listen to the expectations, Dusty. And there become a point in time where God said, I'll tell you what, name everybody 20 years and younger. Amen? If you've ever read your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. Write down everybody's name that's 20 years and younger and they're the ones that can go into the promised land. You can't. This was just a few short weeks journey that they should have entered right into the promised land. They should have went into battle mode. They shouldn't have been fighting against God. They shouldn't have been fighting against the man of God. They should have went through and accomplished what God expected from them. But they doubted so much that finally he just said, I'll tell you what, I'll work with the 20-year-olds and less. I'll deal with them. Man. It's cool to hold a man's hand in this circumstance. Amen? I'm going to work with these. For the past four weeks, as pastor, I've got to come and sit and speak to these young people and let them listen. Get his hand. No PDA rule, but you're allowed to hold hands today. Get her hand. Put that phone down. That phone ain't your answer. There you go. Get her hand. Anybody else less than 20 years old in here? Oh, call them out, sister. Call them out. Anybody less than 20 years old? Oh, yeah. Come on down. Come on down. you guys to hold hands and stand right across the front of here looking straight at these people back here. I'm holding her hands because I want in this club. 
they adopted Sean. Sean, get up here. They adopted him. He asked me, he said, I'm not a kid, but I never had youth group growing up. And I want what you guys do. God has expectations for these kids. He still has expectations for you. I want to tell you this with confidence. That in the book of Numbers, the people 20 years and older didn't fight the battles of their generation. They did not fight the battles of their generation. And all they truly did said, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to lay it on him. I don't want to face those big hills. I know the promised land sounds really good. I know that there's big grapes over there. We've seen them carrying back on poles. Clusters of grapes. Can you imagine clusters of grapes being carried back on a pole? That looks good, God, but I don't think I can. It's a can't mentality. God, rather than me fighting it, I'd rather just put it on the kids. I'm here today. I want to ask you. this is the expectation from God I'm being as real as pastors I've ever been in my life is there anybody back here that'll stand up and say I want to fight my own battle so they don't have to is there anybody here that'll stand up and say I want to fight my own battles God with your direction with your strength, with your courage. I'm asking you right now, who's going to stand up? Anybody here want to stand up? Go ahead and get on up. I want you to declare to these teens, I don't want you fighting my battles. led me in prayer 17 years ago I believe this little rowdy bunch up here sometimes they act like hoodlums but God's got a calling on their life and I'd rather them be transformed right now as wait until your age Come on, somebody. I'd rather be transformed right now. Bow your head. Close your eyes.
Anybody out here, keep your eyes closed. I ask everybody in the crowd today is there anybody here that can say I can feel God drawing me today and I need salvation I need him to save me today is there anybody here that will raise your hand and say I need salvation multiple hands in the air is there any more there's people here you can feel your heart about to beat out of your chest right now God is drawing you anybody else that will raise their hand I need salvation today you can put your hands down there's others out here right now keep your head your eyes closed is there anybody here that say, Pastor Ben, I heard you talking about sanctification. And you talked about how that I need to give up rights. That that's God's expectation for my life. Is there anybody here that will say, I need help with sanctification. I need God to continue to meet me in my mirror every morning and tell me. You need to shape up. Is there anybody here raise your hand and say, I need sanctification. I need God's direction in my life. I need his help. I need his hope. You can put your hands down. Last but not least, how many here will say, Pastor Ben, I really feel like God's wanting me to be transformed. I'm ready for people to start asking, what is up with you? your co-workers maybe that you've been around for a long time and you've been a closet Christian you've tried to hide it you try to act like that it just doesn't matter when you're everywhere other than church but you're ready to come out of the closet and say God I want people's lives to be transformed around you and I'm ready for you to transform me to do this anybody here raise your hand say I want that God I want my co-workers to know I'm with Jesus hallelujah you can put your hands down. Josiah, will you pray with any, anybody that wants salvation? I just want you to pray and lead them in the sinner's prayer. Can you do that for me? So if you raised your hand and you felt like today you want salvation, I want you to pray along with this young man. Lord, I just ask that everyone who raised their hand, they ask you to forgive them for all their sins today and ask you to come into their heart. Lord, I just ask that everyone gets home safely tonight and everyone will help be transformed into the way you have and that everyone follows your expectations. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Sean, the adopted youth group member. Don't he just look kind of teenish? He's teenish. He looks very teenish. He'll be be a teeny bopper for a long time. He he donates so much to the youth group and to the church. I want to tell you a story about a transformed life. You can be seated right here. You stay up here. You guys are young. You can stand up. They can't. It's it's a gift of being over 20. (laughs) A transformed life is this. An individual who didn't know God, that was walking the plan according to his own way, and he witnessed somebody's life being changed because they started attending church. It's Rachel. Everybody say hi, Miss Rachel. Rachel's life started changing. Sean had been wanting something different. He had knew that there was something more to life than just living. Something more to life than just working. It's got to be more. He witnessed to her and asked her about some things. And next thing you know, she's witnessing to him. Come on, go to church with me. Go to church with me. Go to church with me. Finally, one weekend, they show up. And uh, that's what a transformed life is. These kids love him because he loves them. And every week he comes down and helps Dustin and Albie. And he started thinking a while back where if they come for what is six weeks, he's personally going to buy them a Bible, a really, really nice Bible, and have it engraved with their name. We say that's pretty transformed. And they see it. It's real. You don't have to be fake. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're fake. Being a Christian can be real. He's, he buys these kids Bibles. He's, it's just awesome. I've got to witness it myself for the past four weeks because he come every week. And it's not just that he comes to youth group. He comes early before youth group and mows the grass here. If you'd have told me the first time I met Sean... He was standing in Ruby's living room and he was absolutely plastered out of his mind drunk. And he was holding court in the middle of the living room. And the sad part is, I remember churches saying, you can't be around that kind of stuff. There's churches that wouldn't allow me as a pastor to be sitting in a living room where that was going on. But I thank God he showed me there's a better way Jesus was a friend of sinners you've got some friends that sin it's okay it's 4th of July you might get around it today there might be a big party tonight I don't know but you know what I don't like being around sin as far as seeing that because it hurt my heart Mary to see him standing there drunk because it showed me a picture of who I used to be But it didn't hurt me bad enough to walk away. It hurt me bad enough. I wanted to see him changed. Amen. 
And when he came into church, he sat down on that microbe back there. And I remember the first time when I've always had people to bow their head, close their eyes, and I asked him to raise, asked anybody to raise their hand. And I remember the first time his little hand <laughs> went up because he wants God to do something in his life. And now look what he's doing. If you'd have told him a year ago, you're going to be helping lead with a youth group and you're going to help a youth pastor do the work of evangelism and you're going to mow grass at the church. Here's the big secret. His father-in-law wouldn't even let him mow his own grass. He likes mowing grass so he gets to mow the church. It takes work for the church to work. This is a transformed life. It's happened What? when... About eight months. Eight months in. I got called to preach. I've been saved six months. I said, oh God, I don't know about that. I can't even hardly open my Bible. I was one of them people that had to flip through and look at the front page to know where to go. <laughs> and he called me to preach, Dusty. what transformation is there's a lot of people in here Sean raised her hand to be transformed today I want you to pray for them that that transformation will happen and dismiss us too Amen. You're dismissed. Go love God, love people. Find something to do this weekend that uh, allows your life to be a witness to somebody else for Jesus Christ. Love God, love people.